Berkeley Society as a fun little precursor to this edition's podcast. I had the wonderful opportunity to sit down with the author of today's graphic novel, Active Voice, P. Kristen Enos. The reason I was able to do this is because I attended a conference that she was attending called the Golden Crown Literary Society 2017 Conference. It was a really interesting event. I am so happy that I attended. There was so much lesbian literature that I never knew existed, and I'm so glad that does exist. I'll be talking more about that in an upcoming podcast, so stay tuned. But I just want to let you know that、uh, this happened, and it was so, so, so cool. Thank you, Kristen, for getting to know me a little bit. I hope I have more opportunities like that in the future. With other authors that I feature, obviously that can't happen all the time, but I will be contacting personally the authors that I featured because I've been really bad about that just to let them know that hey, this podcast exists and you were featured and that's a thing. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoy this piece. I think it's such an important piece of literature in gay history that everyone should read because many people. In the Gen X generation and baby boomer generation, who are lesbian and gay and trans and non binary, fought for our rights. And us who are on kind of like the borderline generation, like me, sort of just miss the Gen X and are technically a millennial, and who are very much in the millennial generation or are in the undefined, much younger generation, don't really. Know what happened then because we were either too young or we weren't born yet. So it's important to carry on that history with storytelling、um, in by word of mouth, in the written form, graphically. And that is what Kristen has done along with many other authors. And it was wonderful to. Hear a lot about that at the conference. So, yes, please read this, please buy her work. Thank you so much for listening. Afternoon, my sparkly friends. It is LJ from Frillability, and this is Adaptively Intersectional. Welcome back. Although we are now in July, I don't know about you, I'm still celebrating Pride. It is sunny, it's warm, it's beautiful, it's a good day to be gay. Let's celebrate. I have seen the following graphic novel in the gay section of Comixology for a little bit, and I don't know why I haven't thought to download it yet. Perhaps it's because the style of art wasn't one that I usually am drawn to, but it's very beautiful. It's called Active Voice, the comic collection, real life adventures of an Asian American lesbian fe- feminist activist and her friends. A long title, but it's also a really interesting、uh, piece of recent history, of gay history. Here's the summary. Just the good one for you, baby gays out there who are、um, perhaps you're millennial and.、Uh, 
you're interested in learning about LGBTQ history. Active Voice started as a column written by P. Kristen Enos, or Enos in the LGBT Orange County and Long Beach Blade News Magazine in 1994. It was an opportunity for her to share random and serious share random serious and humorous stories as an Asian American lesbian feminist activist in ultra-conservative Orange County, California, nestled between Los Angeles and San Diego. I actually did not know that about Orange County. The stories in this collection are primarily from Enos's days in the UC Irvine Gay and Lesbian Student Union and her corporate world. Key events covered are the first LGBT Pride event in Santa Ana in 1989 and the debut of the NAMES project, uh, it's an acronym I believe because it's all in caps, N-A-M-E-S projects, AIDS Memorial Quilt in Irvine in 1990. Several of the anecdotes are from moments in the spirit of standing up for yourself and others. Here's some of the credits. It's written by P. Kristen Enos and Heidi Ho. The art is by Derek Chua, Lisa Marie Kroll, Cassandra Grulin, and Beth Varney. Cover art, or the cover, is by Dan Parent. The publisher is Furia Press. Yeah, so the art is in, except for the cover, is in black and white, and it's sort of, um, I wouldn't say it's, it's totally comic strip style. One of the genres listed is slice of life, and I would say that the art really reflects that. It's an inner dialogue. I highly suggest supporting the artist. It's a really wonderful piece. I haven't read it through all yet with a lot of these pieces because I kind of like experiencing it for the first time with you, which is why it's not always the perfect read. It's never been a perfect read. <laughs> We're going to start with the foreword. There's a foreword and I think it's very important to the background of the piece. And the foreword's by a Joseph Arnster. This collection of stories originated as a column in the Orange County and Long Beach Blade News Magazine. Kristen Enos was involved with the magazine from its inception in 1992, appearing on the publication's first cover. Most of the columns were written during my stint as an editor from 1996 to 2003. Her first-person columns were always a good read, usually mixing stories from her life around contemporary issues. Entertaining, often irreverent, they serve as a document of a specific time and place, Orange County, California, in the late 1980s to 1990s. Many will, no doubt, find it hard to believe that there was LGBT life in Orange County during this period. After all, this was home to a triumvirate of some of America's worst homophobes. Congress members Bob Dornan, William Dannemeyer, and Traditional Values, Traditional Values Coalition's Lou Sheldon. Homophobia was rampant. Conferences like the Preservation of the Heterosexual Ethic were staged. Opposition to Orange County's first LGBT pride parade and festival was fierce. The city of Irvine rescinded their human rights ordinance, and AIDS cut a swath of death across Laguna Beach and other cities. Yet, within this atmosphere of oppression, a thriving LGBT community existed and grew. Activist organizations like the Orange County Visibility League, ACT UP, Queer Nation, and numerous political and social groups were established in this period 
as well as the University of California Irvine's LGBT Resource Center. It was there that Kristen, during her college days, became, became an activist. It is also out of this crucible that the Orange County and Long Beach blade grew. Kristen's column was always a joy to read, and I looked forward to its monthly appearance in my inbox, always before deadline. <laughs> Her unique perspective intrigued and informed me, as did many of the magazine's readers. Today we are all older. The Blade seems to have ceased publication, as, many, as did many LGBT newspapers and magazines nationwide. And while homophobia still exists, it's not nearly as blatant or acceptable as it was in the 80s and 90s. Kristen's columns serve as an important document of those times, seen through her eyes, and I am overjoyed that they have found new life in audience to this delightful graphic novel. How interesting. I, I had no idea about Orange County in that context. Specifically just from popular media, because you hear so many uh, celebrities, popular ce celebrities, talking about how great Orange County is, and it seems like they're leaving out a big chunk of history that's very ugly. And here's a welcome from the author. This book was over 30 years in the making, with many versions and starts and stops. From my adventures, both in the queer community and my own personal life, I wanted such stories to be documented and made public, as reality is sometimes far more interesting than fiction. I certainly hope you enjoy this collection because there are definitely more that can be written and drawn. Let's begin. This first chapter is entitled, Birth of an Activist. I officially came out of the closet in the fall of 1987, which was my sophomore year of college at UCI, University of California, Irvine. You see her literally coming out of what looks like a closet. In little boxes surrounding her, there are stats. 19 years old, Thai American, wasn't raised in Orange County where UCI is located. Same fashion sense when I was in the closet. While I had a lot of great friends from having lived in the dorms the previous year, I didn't know anyone who was gay or lesbian. At least not that I knew of. Being out wasn't the thing back then. Since was was before the internet, finding ways to meet other people like me was a challenge. I first tried the UCI phone book to see what was on campus. I spotted an entry for the Gay and Lesbian Student Union with a campus address. But the office was always closed, no matter what time or day I stopped by. And there wasn't information about meetings or events on the office door, or answering machine recording. But when I'm faced with a challenge, I become more determined. I can't remember exactly how, but I found out that AIDS Walk Orange County was looking for volunteers. But as a poor college student without a car, it meant a long bus ride to Newport Beach. A backpack of textbooks is pointed out. Without a Thomas guide, GPS, or Siri, I had to find the address based on answering machine directions. I eventually found the AIDS Walk OCHQ in a tiny office building. I had no idea what to expect of this experience as I stood in the parking lot. There were only a couple people there, but they were immediately welcoming. I never said, hey, I'm a lesbian, but that wasn't necessary at all. 
and I was just so glad to be there. We always need a helping hand. They quickly introduced me to the standard volunteer tasks of the late 80s. Envelope stuffing for bulk mailings, data entry, and cold calling, which I refused to do. I was only there for a few hours, but I felt extreme satisfaction of time well spent for a great cause. And I discovered the all-too-important volunteer payment of free pizza and soda. As a starving college student, I admit, this was crucial too. When I left, I was completely on cloud nine. Not even noticing the weight of the textbooks that I ended up not using. I was barely aware of my surroundings as I crossed a one-way street back to the bus stop. Honk! I'm going to give you a content warning, so you might want to skip ahead, maybe about 40 seconds. There is going to be some racial slurs, and they're spoken by a group of pretty ignorant teenagers. So again, content warning, there are going to be some racial slurs. Hey, I remember Vietnam. I was completely caught off guard as a flurry of thoughts went through my mind. I'm not Vietnamese. You weren't even born back then. My dad was a Vietnam vet. You're not calling me a dyke? But clearly, they didn't count on me having the background of being a mouthy, rebellious teenager, according to my parents. Their reaction of joking laughter revealed how they thought that harassing me was just a fun thing to do. But it ruined my mood. What good will what goodwill I had moments before was completely gone. I fantasized about what I wish I had done instead. She imagines herself on top of the hood of the car, about to smash her heavy book bag into the window. College textbooks, remember? Another content warning, this is where the slurs come in. So you might want to skip ahead. Unfortunately, this was not the last time I was harassed in the streets in Orange County. Jap! Gook! Chink! But yes, I continued volunteering with AIDS Walk OC that year. And I did eventually get involved with GLSU. But that first harassment incident showed that the fighter in me came out when needed. A trait needed to be an activist. Of course, it was only the beginning of what was an unplanned calling. Though I admit, if they had actually called me Dyke, I probably would have attacked them. On August 31st, 1982, I was hired into my first real job. The title of this chapter is called The Most Interesting Thing. The company was in Irvine, California, about an hour south of Los Angeles. She shows her work ID. It has her picture, a logo, her name, and the company name called PT Cellular. I was 24 at the time and my prior work experience consisted of temp assignments and part-time college student stint. I was already familiar with the work environment and people because I had been a temp at this company for a couple of years. At the time, I had no desire for any long-term career in the corporate world. 
I viewed it as a necessary evil to pay my bills and allow me to do whatever I wanted in my personal time. She is shown taking photographs at a gay and lesbian pride parade. Even as a temp, I was never closeted at work, but I am a respecter of appropriate time and place. <laughs> Those co-workers who became friends, I told, and others, I didn't. And I was perfectly fine with the idea of having the rumor mill do the coming out for me. I'm a lesbian. Psst. 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 Because there wasn't a large enough conference room in our office building to hold all employees, we would have our quarterly meetings at a nearby hotel. This is where we would be brought up to speed on the latest company news and upcoming activities. I never attended one of these meetings before, so I was excited to go as an official employee. One of the standard agenda items for this meeting is that all employees who had been hired in the previous quarter would stand and quickly introduce themselves. I wasn't into cheesy things like that, but I was encouraged to play along. This time, the meeting facilitator thought it would be fun for people to introduce themselves with your name, the date you were hired, the department you worked in, and the most interesting thing about yourself. The first thing I thought that went through my mind was, wait, I'm supposed to tell them I'm a lesbian? I know I didn't have to, but that's what immediately went through my mind. The year before 1991, California Governor Pete Wilson had vetoed AB 101, a law to include sexual orientation as a protected class against discrimination in the workplace. This naturally outraged all queer activists and their friends and allies into massive protest rallies throughout the state. And while politics aren't my thing, I considered myself a social activist. I am a supporter and a journalist. To add more complexity to our situation, my friends and I worked in Orange County, which was known as the Orange Curtain because of its reputation of being a bastion of conservatism in the state. Governor Wilson finally signed the bill into law in September 1992, less than a month after I was hired. The bill was now signed, so I didn't feel as if there was a need to come out on a large scale to help the cause. Work time was part of my private time and not subject to my activist standards. But with the conversations of my lesbian activities with these work friends, I felt a certain expectation. I decided to take my cue by how personal other people's revelations would be. Another co-worker is shown standing up and saying, And I reunited with my biological father this summer. Seriously? Yes, the women really did say that. That declaration triggered my innate demand for equal and fair treatment, even to the point of being obnoxious, yet my turn. I'm Kristen Enos. I was hired on August 31st after being in temp for two years. I'm in the billing department. And the second most interesting thing about me is that I've been a comic book reader since I was six years old. Yes, I really said this. And I still think my being into comics was more controversial in some circles than my lesbianism. Did I cop out? Maybe not according to everyone. <laughs> Co-workers who knew thought this was hilarious. And given comments that I overheard,
some people were confused. But what's her most interesting thing? I don't know. I don't get it. No one ever asked me my most interesting thing, even though I worked in that department for several years. I just assumed that meant anyone who really wanted to know already knew, which meant I did my activist job, right? Next chapter. First day in the sun. When I came out in the fall of 87 as a student at UC Irvine, I wasn't socially queer connected. To make friends, I wanted to participate in anything that didn't require a car, money, or a penis. Mm, I just want to bring up the how that's a little uh, gender problematic, but I'll continue. So when the co-chairs of the GLSU announced a need for people to march in the upcoming Long Beach Pride Parade, I immediately volunteered. We would march behind a banner that was a long piece of paper colored by markers and paint. That Sunday morning, we were to meet at the admin building flagpole, then carpool up to the Long Beach Pride Parade setup area. But only a few of us showed up and I was the only woman. The co-chair said, where is everyone? It was the first time I became aware of how complex being out and visible could be. I have never seen, I had never seen a gay pride parade before. Everything I knew were from obnoxious images of drag queens in mainstream newspapers meant to shock and appall their readers. Those images probably inspired me to want to march in the parade because I knew my friends and I didn't look like that. When we arrived at the Pride Parade setup area, I didn't know what to expect. I saw for the first time examples of queer diversity that I'd never seen before. She notes a variety of drag queens not shown in mainstream media, support organizations, dykes on bikes, political groups. That morning, I couldn't help but notice the irony in my first real-life exposure to a pride parade that w to a pride parade was as a participant. While I was disappointed that a lot of GL GLSU members had not shown up, I dismissed it as everyone being, well, college students. I also didn't realize there were fears of exposure. From the risk of being seen by someone who could report back to the parents, Newspaper and television would cover the event, so the fear of being recorded was at a terrifying level. Since I wasn't from Southern California, it never occurred to me not to participate for those reasons. Once the pr parade started, I was, able to I was able to fully bask in the glory, and yes, pride, as we walked down the parade route with cheers from those who watched. Until that one moment, UCI, where are your women? She's right here. They were partying too hard last night. In an asterisk. This is Nico. We didn't know it at the time, but we would develop a friendship that would last 30 years and counting. Where I was reminded that sometimes you just can't win everything. The next section. That Orange County Cultural Pride. When I heard that Orange County was going to have its first LGBT Parade and, uh, Parade and Pride Festival in September 89, I was thrilled. That's great news. Yeah. Where is it going to be? Some park in Santa Ana. We're all UCI students. 
Nico is now a co-chair of the GLSU. By then, I had already attended Long Beach and Los Angeles Pride Festivals twice each, but they were always far away and a hassle to get to and from. I now have a car. About an hour's drive at most. Yes, we were spoiled Southern Californians. A Pride Festival gave local organizations an opportunity to promote themselves. Sports teams, social groups, religious outreach, political organizations. However, when we heard that the official name of the festival was Orange County Cultural Pride, we felt that name was too closeted. Many of us expected at least the word gay in the name. OCCP? I guess. I found out a couple years later that the non-queer name was purposefully chosen for the expected negative publicity. It gave us grounds for taking legal action if a vendor suddenly refused to do business with us because they found out we were a gay organization. But for those of us who still felt such precautions were a bad example, it was pointed out that the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Pride Organization is officially named Christopher Straight West. Well, you can't argue with such a precedent. So when the OCCP representative applied for parade and festival permits at the Santa Ana, Santa Ana City Hall, it permit it. Oh, goodness, sorry. So when the OCCP representative applied for the parade and festival permits at the Santa Ana City Hall, the permits were granted without fuss. With OCCP scheduled the week before the start of the school year, the UCI GLSU didn't decide on any formal activities for the event because we would be preparing for orientation week. LJ's comments, goodness sakes, can the queer community quit it with acronyms? <laughs> That's okay, continuing on. <laughs> I just, I can't, there's so many. And we can never decide on which acronyms. Can we just all be gay? Making our individual plans, we relied on seeing each other at some point during Pride weekend. Back then, I believed in supporting the festival by attending both days. Saturday was expected to be quiet and relaxed because Sunday was the day of the parade, which always drew more attendees. A protester is shown holding a sign with the word gay, but it's an acronym saying God AIDS yet, and he's very angry. Everyone's side-eyeing him. Yes, there were protesters outside on Saturday, but we ignored them, as you learn to do when you attend these types of events. So my friends and I had a great but low-key time on Saturday, enjoying the people and booths of organizations based in Orange County. They're all shown having a fun time doing different things. On Sunday, I drove us there early in the morning so we can get a decent spot for my car in the parking lot and for ourselves on the parade route. Look! There's a plane showing a banner that says, Sodomites! Out of Santa Ana! It was then we got our first literal sign of how the day would go. Ignoring the spectacle above, we looked for a spot to sit and watch the parade. I don't remember whose decision it was, but we ultimately ended up sitting right across from the parade protesters. 
This was the first time I really took a look at who was against this event and people like me. I had seen Pride protesters before, and they were subjects of annoyance and derision, easy to push out of your mind once they were out of sight. Their signs read, Repent sinners! God hates gays! Ye must be born again! Standard bunch of protesters from other festivals. But the group protesting OCCP was very different from the other protester crowds. Orange County is nicknamed the Orange Curtain because of the large proportion of registered Republicans and for being the home of high-profile megachurches. As expected by the OCCP organizers, the approved permits quickly came to the attention of ultra-conservative politicians and religious leaders who were instantly horrified by such an event. We see a group of old white men looking really distressed. <laughs> it's pretty funny. They're just staring at this piece of paper in horror. <laughs> These leaders applied political pressure to the Santa Ana City Council to add the revocation of the OCCP permits to their next meeting. Supporters of both sides would attend the debate the issue attend to debate the issue before the city council vote. Again, another side note, I am so sorry I am having a particular hard, hard time reading this. So many people showed up that the overflow crowd was forced to wait in the courtyard. The Pride supporters were not even allowed in the council chambers. The mayor determined that the only speaker allowed on behalf of the OCCP and the only official gay person would be their attorney, John Duran. Jeez. My friend Joseph Arnster wanted to attend the meeting as a supporter for the OCCP, but was forced to wait with the overflow out in the courtyard. Without clear territorial lines, people who were there to support or protest both sides of the issues were forced to pass the time side by side doing what they felt was important for the issue at hand, debating, arguing, or praying. Being a longtime activist himself with years of public protesting experience, Joseph had never seen a gathering with such crazy close-quarter dynamics before or since. Meanwhile, within the city council chamber, a variety of people testified for the revocation of OCCP's permits by stating their views of queer people. They're wicked, evil, child molesters, perverts, mentally ill. As a lone, voices, as a lone voice for OCCP and the Orange County LGBT community, John Duran had the burden and counteract had the burden to counteract this legally sanctioned name-calling. The First Amendment protects the freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. If the city council revokes the permit, it would violate the U.S. Constitution. He was apparently successful since the city council voted 4-3 to allow the permits to stay. The reaction was obvious. We see crowds cheering. OCCP won! John had to be escorted out because the fundamentalists were trying to exorcise him. The laws at the city council meeting led to the idea of a massive protest at the Pride Parade, the festival's key event. It was obvious that most had never protested a Pride Parade Pride event before, making it a full family day activity by showing their own family values with diversity from grandparents to grandchildren. There was even children holding up signs and like kids doing cartwheels. Joseph told me later, 
that there were reports of nails in the parking lot and dirty diapers thrown at festival attendees. A woman holding up a dirty diaper screaming perverts towards people who haven't done anything to her. And a man throwing nails down towards a car. Nico was there with his boyfriend who studied gays and Christianity and also found the protesters fascinating. His boyfriend wanted to take a closer look at the protesters and Nico went with him. Nico watched a guy who looked like he could be his uncle ranting about deviants from Los Angeles and San Francisco coming into OC and spreading their corruption. You don't belong in Orange County. It was as if the man couldn't accept the idea that queers actually existed in OC and attitude shared by other protesters. I was personally horrified that the protesters involved their children, who clearly had no idea, who had no idea or care about what was going on. I decided to keep an eye on them as the morning progressed. And so the parade proceeded through this tiny space of very emotional people. The parade participants understood the strangeness of the situation as they wanted to thank us for our support. And to show the protesters what they thought of them, you see participants flipping them off. The most memorable moment for me was when the float for a lesbian bar came down the route and blasted Madonna's burning up, which drowned out any noise from the protesters, a welcome break for those of us sitting across from them all morning. The children of the protesters were swept up in the fun and music of the moment, too. <laughs> you see the kids dancing. The parents won't, weren't happy about it. Do that again and I'll spank you. Child looks terrified. As the parade neared its end, my friends and I decided to beat the crowd by heading for the festival grounds. However, we were back inside for only a few minutes before. All festival attendees, please gather in front of the main stage now. Since many people were still out watching the parade, we were quickly assembled and they ordered us to sit down on the grass. Of course, we were all confused and curious about this unusual request. They then announced that a disturbance happened at the parade and that there are discussions going on at the festival will be shut down because of it. Nico was caught in the crowds outside the festival entrance, not sure if they would be able to be allowed in. Joseph noticed that policemen in riot gear and on horseback were ominously patrolling the festival fence while watching us carefully, a sign of the seriousness of the situation. We would all find out later that the riot started because members of the ACT UP LA and the Orange County Visibility League did a kiss-in right in front of the group of protesters. My friends and I missed this interaction by minutes. The protesters reacted as expected. They started to beat them up, it looks like. The riot-ready police intervened, arresting six people, which provided front-page photos for the major newspapers in the area confrontation lasted only a few minutes. After peace was restored, the chief of police of Santa Ana and attorney John Duran debated the future of this festival. A fundamentalist leader gave his unsurprising opinion on the matter. I'm shutting down the festival. And you see um, a man holding the Bible saying, do it. No, you're not. You already restored order. He was the festival's man of the year. Back off or I'll arrest you too. Then we'll slap you with a lawsuit, so you better get advice from the city attorney before you cost Santa Ana millions of dollars.
So the police chief actually called the city attorney, who agreed with John. The festival would go on. When it was announced that the festival would not be canceled, we cheered and quickly got back to doing what we were doing before, having fun. OCCP's story was hardly finished, as the struggle for acceptance by both the queer attendees and our neighbors continued for several years. Due to lack of interest from the LGBT community, the festival had to shut down for over a decade later. There'd be more attempts to bring pride festivals and parades back to Orange County, the most recent attempt being 2016. But that day made an impact on us all who were there, knowing that we were part of history in our own way and we wouldn't help but feel triumphant. For me personally, having been completely caught off guard by all of the weekend's drama, it was my first true exposure to the struggles of LGBT activism in the greater community outside the bubble of campus life. And perhaps it whet my appetite for things to come. And that's the end of that chapter. I think we'll stop there. If you're curious to follow along, the last page we read was page 37. And gosh, for 37 pages, that's a lot of content. I hope that you enjoyed this as with all of the other content that we've been reading. If you have any requests or things that you'd like me to read, please leave a comment, send me a message, send me an email, any messages that you'd like to send me. You can email me at orders at ljv.com. That's O-R-D-E-R-S, like it, you'd think it would be spelled unless I spelled it incorrectly, orders at E-L-L-E-J-A-Y v-e-e -E, that's v's and victor e e dot com so that's orders at e-l-l-e-j-a-y-v-e-e -E -E dot com and you can send me your suggestions for future podcasts i'm thinking about uh trying to get out into the community and maybe doing collaborations with people in some way and doing more story-based stuff in addition to Saturday morning cartoons because by far this is my favorite to do so we'll see what else I can think of I'm gonna do some brainstorms brainstorms brainstorming obviously I'm quite coherent today a little bit sleepy I hope you have enjoyed your weekend and that it's a sunshiny weekend to come sending you lots of love and light as always if you haven't today, take your medication, eat some food, and have a good nap. It's a Sunday. Everyone needs a nap on a Sunday.